This week on Maroon and Bold, we talk Central Michigan men's and women's basketball with the MAC tournament on the horizon. We also talk a little bit about CMU baseball, all that and more coming up next on Maroon and Bold. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. I am your host and your sports editor, Austin Chastain for Central Michigan Life. And sitting to my left, staff reporter, the young bull himself, Christian Boer. Boer, how you doing, man? Not too bad, boss. Just living the dream. How about yourself? Ah, you know, I like that. Living the dream. Living the dream, you know. You know, cover some Central Michigan sports and work at work at a really cool newspaper and hang Absolutely. out hang out with the boys, you know. Seven times. Seven, seven times. Sim Bam. Champions, bro. ACP. You know how we rock? You know how we rock. You know how we roll. You already know, bro. You already know how we roll. Big big props to our advertising staff. Um, be, they're named the uh, College Media Organization of the Year uh, for the seventh consecutive year. Big time stuff. Big time stuff from our crew. And, uh, you know, we... I don't think we can say thank you enough for all they do and absolutely all the all the all the great stuff they do for us. So, uh, kudos to the advertising staff and thank you guys so much for all that you do. And Christian, it's March, man. Yeah, it's March. the The postseason's on the horizon. We've got the Mid American Conference tournament n- not this week, but next week while everyone's on spring break. We're going to be down in Cleveland, Ohio at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, home of the Cleveland Cavaliers, watching, the, I guess, eight of whatever, the Mid-America, schools in the Mid-American Conference battle it out for basketball supremacy. The number one seed, it's already been determined, the number one seed on the women's side, Central Michigan Chippewas, 15-1. and one. Now, they did, the Chippewas did suffer their first conference loss, on Saturday at Ball State. Yep. Christian, I mean, we've. I feel like we've talked about it every week on the show. But what about this team? How, like, really though? Like, I'll just jump right into it. How special can this team be? Because I don't feel like you and I have talked about it on the show in a really long time. No, you're right. They're they're a phenomenal group. They've gotten production from. Everyone, it seems like, at some point. You know, Michaela Kelly's obviously taken her game to the next level. We knew she was going to have to do that in order for this team to continue to be as successful within the Mid-American Conference as they have been in recent years. She's done all that and more. You've gotten phenomenal contribution from Molly Davis, the freshman. The talk on her was she was an exceptional shooter. What we didn't know is how well she operates off the dribble, and that has taken this offense to the next level with her her quickness, her ball handling skills, her ability to create for herself and for others off of the bounce. She has played a huge role in this, and then obviously Kira Bustle, a name that not many speak about, but she's taken her game, her post game, she's added the three-point shot to her arsenal, and at times she's been absolutely unstoppable. And when you've got a three-headed monster like that, throwing Maddie Waters, who is a phenomenal spot-up shooter, Jahari Smith scraps for rebounds. Half of her rebounds, it seems like, have been offensive rebounds that have led to maybe another teammate's bucket, but she's she's certainly played a role in their offensive success as well. And so they've certainly earned this number one seed, and I think that a lot of that is due to the fact that instead of going out and getting a new coach, you know, from the market somewhere 
after Sue retired. She just simply passes the torch to Heather. This is probably something that's been in the works for a little bit between the two of them. Like, hey, you know, Heather, when I decide to call it quits, this is your program. Heather has taken this role. She's made it her team. She has made, I mean, there's, you know, distinct differences between the two. Nothing, I mean, obviously nothing negative, but, you know, they've they've certainly taken the next step under Heather. And, I mean, the results are, they show themselves. Right, and it's just been kind of interesting to follow along with that change and at that press conference when when Sugavara retired and Heather Osley was announced as the head coach um I think actually all three so Sue Heather and athletic director Michael Alford all said this was kind of the idea um well I I guess it was more Sue and Heather because when when Sue came on uh I believe it would be now 13 years ago she said and then brought Heather in, uh, I think now 10 years ago, right? Yep. Um, my math is wrong. I sincerely apologize. But um, Sue said, I'm pretty much hiring you to be the next head coach when I retire. Or when I, when I leave Central Michigan, This is like you said, Christian, this is going to be Heather's program. Yep. And that transition has been just been seamless. I feel like absolutely, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, they got off to a little bit of a of a hitch in the giddy up right, right out of the gate. Yeah, but they also played a couple of really good teams oh, for in sure. that opening stretch. So it was kind of, I don't know. It, it it's it's tough to judge. Like, I mean, they were close in two of those games out of, out of those first three games. Yeah, they were close. No, you're absolutely right, and they sh- they easily should have beaten Gr- Green Bay, if you ask me. But they, but they had their opportunities. They I mean, did. McKenna Kelly gets a steal. She's headed the other way with about five seconds to go, and you're up two, and then the ball takes an absurd bounce, and a three quarter court pass ends in a layup at the horn, and then it sends it into double overtime. So I mean, the ball bounces in the other direction, and Central Michigan has you know another win under their belt. You know that's just the the way it is, but of those what five losses now, I mean, I'm looking at the, the bracketology right now. Louisville's gunning for a one seed. UCF, who was the last team to beat Central Michigan before they lost to Ball State. UCF's in the tournament. Western Kentucky's a bubble team. They're also in the tournament if it ended or if the season ended today. I mean, these are all good teams that they've lost to. And I think that's a strong reason why if things don't go the way the Chippewas want them to in-Cleveland next week, I think they're still a pretty firm uh, at-large. Oh, I would agree. At-large bid should they not win the Mid-American Conference Tournament. But that doesn't mean they're going to take it easy. You, no, talk, you, talk to, you have one conversation with Coach O, and we've certainly had plenty of them over the course of the season, and you know that her intensity that she brings is we're not taking anything for granted, we're not taking anything lightly, we're going to come out here, we're going to play our game, and we're going to do our whatever we can to win. Right, absolutely. Uh, just curious, what is, what's, what's Green Bay up to? Green Bay, you know, I, uh, I'm not certain. Green no. Bay, I know they started the year pretty hot. You know, they obviously came into in the McGurk and, and knocked off the Chippewas. They did. Um, they're eighteen and twelve. I mean, they're right. They're third in the Horizon League. They've obviously got a shot to go out and win a and win a conference tournament and get a bid. So they've won six in a row. They're thirteen and five in their league. So obviously, another really good mid major team. Right. Well, I mean, and and you know, I only ask because I was kind of thinking about that. Like all of 
all of the teams that CMU has lost to this year, uh, outside of outside of Ball State. So every, all the, the four teams that CMU lost to in the non-conference are either going to or could easily make the, the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just bewildering. And yeah, and, and here they are, twenty-two and five, fifteen and one in conference play. So after the, I believe it was the Western Michigan game on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Yeah, when they clinched it. That's right. I asked Heather a question, and it was a, kind of a funny response. Um, and I only said it was funny because I think I think Heather kind of kind of giggled a little bit, maybe. I don't th- uh, maybe not, but she she did get a smile on her face when she answered this question. How much noise? do you think CMU can make in the postseason, not just the MAC tournament, but beyond? A lot. You know, I think that it's one of those things where you make the tournament enough, and this if they do get in, which I'm a firm believer that they will, barring unforeseen losing streak, uh, maybe the wheels fall off, I don't know. And obviously, you know, I'm sure Chippewa fans hope that's not the case. Because they've certainly put themselves in a phenomenal position to grab it. Not just an at-large bid, but a pretty good one. If they don't win the conference tournament. You know, right now they're on the 8 line. They fluctuated between 7 and 10 all year. And if they don't win their conference tournament, I don't see them dropping too far. And so you start to think about, and our other staff reporter who I've been working really closely with over the course of this women's basketball season, Andrew Loveland, him and I have talked a little bit about this, but when does it become an expectation to not just get to the NCAA tournament, but to make a run within it? When do you start to become kind of like that Gonzaga of the, of the men's ranks, where not only are you dominating in your conference every year, winning your conference tournament, making no... You start to take that next step and you start to think. And with Heather, you know, we've talked about her intense demeanor already, but eventually getting to the tournament losing in week one, weekend one isn't going to be good enough anymore. You're going to start to think, okay, now we've taken that next step. We're a perennial NCAA tournament team. They consider us, I mean, you take a look at these, these people. Central Michigan's RPI is top 20 in the country. And that's, you know, at 22 and 5, and that's in the Mid American Conference. If you look at the men's side of things, you're not going to find a team that's that high in the Mid American Conference in terms of RPI. So you start to think about just how good of a schedule this team plays, and you start to think, okay, this schedule gets you ready for times like this. And that's when you start to consider that maybe, just maybe, second weekend starts to become the expectation for a team like this. It was obviously a really big deal when they made this week 16 in 2018. But I kind of agree with you. Like, and and they've obviously made the NCAA tournament in the last two years. But you're right. When when is it going to be an expectation? Yeah, to, to like you said, to not only get there, but but to to make a deep run. I I don't think I don't think it's it's there quite yet. I th- I don't think I don't think that expectation is is quite. There yet from an administrative standpoint or anything like that. Obviously, the team they think they I'm I, I'm sure they they think they can make a really deep run, and I wouldn't argue that. But I could see I could see them you know getting that second weekend. I think they in in this year this year and uh, where I think we'll jump in the gun a little bit here, but because we'll talk about predictions and stuff like that for Cleveland here in a little bit. But I I really do see the women's team getting out of that first weekend. Of of the of the NCAA tournament. Well, if they if they stay on the eight line, it's going to be tough because you're looking at 
and and it's the way it's kind of always been with with women's basketball. You've got just four phenomenal teams on that top seed. You know, you taking a look at Oregon with Sabrina Ionescu and Baylor and South Carolina and Maryland. Those are four phenomenal teams and the difference between the men's tournament and the women's tournament is that those top four seeds are going to host games in their gym as opposed to on a neutral site. And so you got to take into account that not only are you going to have to knock off a, a good team on day one, if you're an eight, you're going to have to play a really good nine seed team and you're going to have to battle it out. But in the chance that you win that game, you've now got to go up against the nation's best. And so Central Michigan, obviously, it's going to be tough because they're going to be probably on the lower side of things. And I don't think they'll be high enough to host. Obviously, you know, they're just a lot of good teams in the women's basketball landscape. But you start to think about maybe they win out, they're most likely going to be a seven highest. But, I mean, if they if they take another loss, you could be looking at maybe an 11 or a 12 seed. I still think they're firmly in. I don't think there's any bubble talk. But going back to the whole discussion on when it becomes an expectation, you got to take a look at the way they're recruiting right now. Because you're bringing in three girls who are are really good players. You've got one in particular, Sydney Graber, who's a top 100 recruit on ESPN. This girl's going to be a stud. We've talked to we've talked to Heather about her in the past. You know, she's brought her up at the coffee that they do down to Mac and Max and Emily's. Excuse me, but like these girls, Sydney Graber, Rachel Louie, Carly Crabtree, they're all expected to contribute next year, much in the way that Molly Davis did this year. Throw into that that you're going to get pretty much everybody back with the exception of Gabby Bird and McKenna Kelly, who've obviously contributed countless things to this program over their four years. But you start to think you're going to lose two. You're going to get three girls who are supposed to be really solid contributors. And we've heard talk of a fourth commit, but nothing verified yet, obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, you start to think about with the way they recruit and if they continue to recruit like this, which... Take a look at that coaching staff. Muriel Page was a WNBA player. Heather Osterley, I mean, she walks into a room, she lights it up. She can relate to everybody in the room. Like You can see, based on interaction with these coaches, why they recruit so well. And that's, I think, going to be the next step for them. And if they continue to recruit like this and they bring in another Molly Davis-type player who's that good as a freshman, then you start to think about maybe, maybe a tournament win is now the expectation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll get to I'll get to next season in a second, but definitely this season, I think they have the expectation to win the conference outright, to go win that conference tournament, and then yeah, make make a little bit of noise uh, wherever they end up for the NCAA tournament. And then looking beyond that, I mean, like you said, with all all the all the recruiting uh, business, that's that's something that I think is. Is a little bit lost in college bat college sports, um, especially bringing in bringing in true freshmen to build up, so then they can have big um, big careers in the when they're upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. I really I, I really do like the way that 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 Osterley and the rest of the coaching staff has done it, and I mean it, it started with 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 Sue too. I mean she would bring in you know Presley Hudson, Raina Frost as as freshmen, build them up, make them better, surround them with good players, and then let's let's use let's use Twin Kelly for an example. Twin Kelly comes in her freshman year. She's playing behind the CMU all-time leading scorer, and we're talking both and men's and women's. Yep. And Presley Hudson, 
and you have the conference career rebounder, rebounding leader in Raina Frost. Those are two star players. The community loves them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then Twin kind of follows their lead. And you're able to, as tw- as Twin Kelly, you're able to learn from Presley and Reyna. I don't, I don't see, I don't see a way that doesn't work. And and, and obviously has worked for Michaela Kelly this year. She's been oh for sure for she sure. has been dynamite for for CMU. Uh, I mean, at one point she's the second leading scorer in the country. Mm-hmm. Almost a shoe in for for Mac Player of the Year. And when when we asked her about it on on Wednesday after the Western game. She was actually pretty excited. She she actually kind of likes the, the the idea of wow, like I can win some postseason awards. That's pretty cool. Well, she I mean she deserves it. She earned it right. with her performance, man. Absolutely. And and she has stepped into every role that that both Heather Heather the coaching staff and the rest of the team have asked her to. She's and she said sometimes she has to be overconfident and that that works. When, when, I mean, you could argue that she could do it all the time, but it's real. It's a. It's. She's been playing <laughs> incredibly well, and she's she's done everything CMU's needed needed her to do, and and that's I think, and she also leads by example, all that kind of stuff. I think that's why they've been so successful. For sure, for sure, you've got that right blend of of veteran leadership, as well as you know. The young guns contributing, people like Molly Davis who are just—I mean, she's exceeded all of her expectations in my opinion. Obviously, the coaches see her all summer long. They've seen her play in high school for four years. Heather and them obviously knew what Molly Davis was capable of and probably expected her to contribute at this level from from night one. And so that's why, obviously, it's a surprise to all of us. But when you ask Heather about it, you're like, "Yeah, finally, Molly's—you know—taking." The shots that she that she is capable of taking all the time, but you know I think that's one of those things that Central Michigan obviously a great position heading into the biggest week of the the season. They're the number one seed. They're set up pretty well. Obviously everybody's going to be gunning for them. Ball State took them down on Saturday, so nobody's perfect. Um, but that's one of the things that you're going to take a look at and you're going to see come uh, tournament time. I mean, nobody's a joke anymore. You're going to get everybody's best shot, and I think that's something that they have embraced. Absolutely. Now kind of looking ahead to Cleveland next week for the MAC tournament, how important do you think it is for CMU to at least make the championship game? Not, I mean, we can worry about winning, you can worry about winning it later, but in terms of like team success and and kind of the the atmosphere of the team how important do you think it is for the team to make and you know at least have the chance to win a conference championship oh i think it's incredibly important i think it bo- i think it boosts their resume i think that anytime you can put yourself in a position to clinch that automatic bid it takes any consideration that the committee would have to undergo out of the way you that's that's 
I think the most important thing is to go into Cleveland and win the whole thing. Obviously, they put themselves in a position like we've talked about to where you don't necessarily have to, but that doesn't mean, A, that doesn't mean they don't want to, and B, that doesn't mean that the committee's going to automatically put their name on the 8th seed or the ninth seed or even in the tournament if they lose in, say, the first round. I mean, we've talked about how their RPI is strong and how they've played a phenomenal strength of schedule throughout the year, but then again, I mean, you take a bad loss here or there and it may go out the window. So obviously it's super important that they get to the final and that they win it. And also I think it would just be a a good storybook ending for this squad in year one under Heather Osterley if they're able to go and cut down the nets not only in McGurk but also in, what is it, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse now. I almost mistake it for Quicken Loans Arena, which is, if I'm not mistaken, was its former name. Yeah, it's, um, the, same, it's the same building. It just has a different name. And yeah. I don't even know why they changed it. It's, it's literally Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage are kind of, I, if I'm not... Merger, probably. It, yeah, it has to be something like We're that. We're not here to, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on something that I'm not 100% certain of, but that's probably what it was, at least. But right. Michaela Kelly, as I'm looking at the record book right now, we talked about her success. She's going to be top 10 in the single-season points category and in the single-season assists category. And I'm that's phenomenal. It really is. Yeah, she's, I mean, this is... She's at 583 points. She's five points behind Crystal Bradford, who's fifth in single-season points. Crystal Bradford in 2013-14 scored 588 points. Kelly's currently at 583. Wow. Which, by the way, the single-season record is held by Raina Frost, 733. Was that last year? Last season. And then Presley Hudson was 674 last year as well. Finished second. Presley Hudson's also 1-2 and in assists. 2018-19, 2018-19, she was 188. Hudson was 185 in the season prior. Kelly currently has 130 assists, which places her, oh, sixth. She's two assists behind Bradford, who has 132 for fifth place. So she's obviously going to catch Crystal Bradford in a couple of single season categories, and that's crazy because she's got an entire season ahead of her. Absolutely. Yeah, that's... That's scary. If I'm a if I'm a Mac opponent, if I'm any opponent of CMU next year, that's, I'm I'm I'm, a little, I'm not gonna say I'm. Well, no, I would be scared of Twin Kelly. She, like we were saying earlier, man, she is. She has been dynamite for CMU this year. Absolutely. Couple, let's, well, let's, let's switch it over to the other side of things. The men, the men's team. Yep. Let's talk about that. Chris, I'm I'm only gonna start it with with this one question. What is going on with the men's team, dude? You know, I I I I don't know. I'm at a, I'm at kind of a I mean, I've I have my opinions. I think that there's just a little bit of a flaw here in the in the system. They've lost 8 games in a row. They're they're going to finish under 500 in the regular season. They've David DeLeo put it well. In the post-game presser following the loss to Toledo, he said that all of their goals, the NCAA tournament berth, everything's still out there because it all depends on one weekend. That's right. Which, obviously, he's correct. But they're not exactly peaking at the right time. I think a, I think they peaked too early. A month ago, February 4th, a Tuesday night in McGurk, they knock off Bowling Green, who is currently the number one team in the conference. 
They knock them off by 10 at home, a game they led the majority of the way, and it was their third straight win. Yeah. Wins over Ball State, Western Michigan, Bowling Green. You start to look at, okay, they're above 500. They were number one in the MAC West. They're a top three. They're sitting on a top three seed. They go to Buffalo and drop one, and you think, okay, well, you know, Buffalo's a, a good team. But, but then they, but, but Buffalo's been down this year. Correct. And then they come home and they lose to Eastern. And that's when kind of a red flag because Eastern Michigan was the bottom feeder in the MAC. It was like 3 and 11 at that point, if I'm not mistaken. No. Or not, that, no, that's wrong. No, is it? No, they were they were on the bottom half. They yeah. were definitely they had three. They had actually they might have only had two wins in the conference, and then the Chippewas were their third. And then sounds about right. All of a sudden, Eastern's jumped. They've swept the season series with the Chippewas, and I mean, they're I mean they're in some one possession games here. I mean, Eastern was seventy three seventy, Buffalo sixty five sixty, which I mean two free throws at the end made that five, but you go to NIU and you lose by a point. In double OT, and then you know after the tough one on the road at Miami, you go to Ypsilanti on a Saturday. You right the ship for all of thirty minutes. You're up nine points, and then you You, just you you don't score. The wheels fall off. You score two points in the final five five minutes sixteen seconds. And I think you know you kind of got to have some pity for the guys in the locker room because they they did everything right for thirty minutes. Against NIU, they were down double digits. They battled back. They get it. They're up four on the road at NIU in regulation with the ball. Back-to-back turnovers makes it a tie game. It's just one of those things where they, they've been in games where they've been doing everything right. They've put themselves in positions to win. They just can't close it. And, you know, if this was a young team, you could say, okay, you know, growing pains. But you take a look at that lineup. You got... When when Dallas Morgan's in the starting lineup, you've got four starters in that or four starters who are seniors who are going to play their last game at McGurick on Friday night, unless you can get a couple of good bounces from throughout the MAC, and then you can play yourself in position for a home game in the conference tournament. But right now, you're one game out of last. Right. Well, and and two, like you were saying, I mean, it's it's kind of it, it can jump anywhere. I mean, you can go from. You can go from the seller, you can you can go from from last to earning a home game in in the first round because I mean the, the 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 first round buy is is gone like that's that, that's not gonna happen. But they and like you said, I mean it's it's just kind of you know how the tiebreakers might play out or some like you said how some of the bounces might play out in the last week of the season. They could still end up w- with a home game. In the first round, and that's exactly what what they need. Because I mean, if they go on the road, I don't I don't see a way. Because I mean, they're they're. Let's let's double check this, but they are two and twelve on the road. Yep. And eleven and four at home. So yeah, I mean, obviously, all all teams want to play at home. That that's not a question. But it's just. It's just like you said. It's, it's got to be frustrating for those guys because I mean, Incredibly. They're, they're they're doing the right things to put, like you said, to put themselves in position to win, and they just can't close it out. At the same time, a championship team is going to close it out. Yeah, that's the difference here. You know, at the at the beginning of the season, at the, especially at the beginning of the conference season, going back to 
the opening of conference play against Miami of Ohio in a track meet. You score 93 points and win by 11. Your next home game against Northern Illinois, you're down 12 in the second half. You battle back. You put yourself in the position to win that game. You get a missed free throw. You win it. That's the kind of things that set where they started apart from where they're finishing. Those are games they win at the beginning of the year. The two Eastern games, those are games they win. Granted, the first Eastern game wasn't even as close as the three-point deficit or the three-point loss made a look because they spent the final, what, two minutes just David DeLeo going bonkers from three, just drilling three-pointers. What he, he scored, what, 18 points in a row at one point in that, in that final stretch because the man couldn't miss. And Eastern, who's had struggles at the free throw line, you know, it's just one of those things where they've been in the positions to win, and they've, I mean, at the at the beginning of the year, they were closing these games out, and since that win over Bowling Green, they've just kind of taken a, a turn for the worse. Uh, even against Western Michigan, you know, they're up 13 late in that game. Western cuts it to what, six? Central Michigan hits free throws down the stretch and wins the basketball game. Against Bowling Green. Bowling Green's playing all their guys. I mean, they're a healthy squad. Can't put it together, or they put it together and win it. And since then, it's just been, it's not been good. Right. I mean, and like you said, I mean, turnovers have, have plagued them and just poor execution in, in really costly moments. Because, I mean, they're doing the right things at times, and then there's other times that they just kind of fall apart at the end. And like like we were talking about with this Eastern Michigan game on Saturday, I mean they they had they had that thing nailed down thirty four minutes into it, and just completely collapsed. Now just kind of looking at at the standings, I mean, you've got Ball State as I'm not even going to look at the one through four seeds because I, I mean at this point for CMU it really doesn't matter. Um, so you got Ball State at the five, at the five seed at nine and seven. Kent State's eight and eight. They're it's the sixth seed. Toledo, seven seed, seven and nine. Ohio's the eighth seed at seven and nine. And then Eastern is the nine at six and ten. CMU is the ten seed at six and ten as well. And then Western Michigan and Miami, the eleven and twelve seeds respectively, both five and eleven in conference play. CMU's last two games are at Ball State on Tuesday. Like that. Is it's a huge game. I mean, oh, it, for sure. If CMU were to win that game, go go on the road and take a win, you are looking at utter chaos. Honestly, at like five through ten, seeding wise for that first round home game. I mean, if CMU can go out and and win its last two games, which could happen. I mean, CMU beat beat up Ball State. They also took care of Western on the road. No, you're right. It, it could happen. I mean, am I am I predicting that to happen? I don't think so. I think I think CMU loses to Ball State but beats Western. Right. I think that I think you're I 100 percent agree with you on that. Now the only way they're going to get a home game is they need to they need to win out and they need to have either Toledo or Ohio lose a game because if all three of them finish with eight wins. Central's going to finish in the nine spot. If Ohio drops a game and the Chippewas 
Ohio's going to take that tiebreaker. Toledo's going to take the tiebreaker. But Central Michigan can still get into a home game, if, but they're going to need help because they're a game back with two to play. Um, it's one of those things that, I mean, they've kind of done it to themselves. You start out 6-2, and two, you're now 6-10. and ten. Right. I mean, 6-2, and two, I mean, like you said, you're, you're leading the division. You're, you're taking care of business, and you lose eight straight games. Yeah, several of them. Yeah, several of them have been really close. Within, we'll, we'll, I know you said one possession earlier. We'll call it five points. Yeah, call yeah, it that's, five that's to six fair. points. To, yeah, to be fair, they've been in a lot of these games and trying to trying to make a comeback in the standings in such a competitive conference. Yeah, and like, good luck. The Toledo game, even when they took they took on Toledo and McGurick for thirty minutes. That was a blow-for-blow prize fight. I mean, the Chippewas would get down by 7, they'd cut it to 2. They'd get down by 9, they'd cut it to 2. And then just a stretch where the defense was getting lost on switches, and Toledo's Marion Jackson, who, to his credit, phenomenal basketball player, hitting huge shots. Spencer Littleson's hitting big shots, and the Chippewas can't get an answer because they're out of sync on the offensive end in the half-court set. And that's where things go awry. And it's just one of those things where you've got to you've got to battle a lot of slumps like that. And so far, during this eight-game losing streak, the Chippewas have not demonstrated the ability to to fight their way out of these slumps. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's definitely been a struggle. All right, Christian, the part of the show that I've actually been looking forward to the most is prediction time. We'll start with a CMU prediction for both the men's and the women's side, and then we'll go to overall. All right. All right. On the women's side, how do you think CMU fares down in Cleveland? Gosh, I it's going to be close. I expect them to get to, let's take a look at the seeding. If the season ended today, it would go Chippewas 1, Ball State 2, Ohio 3, Kent State 4, Eastern 5, Western 6, Akron 7, and Buffalo 8. Now that sticks out to me because Buffalo had the Chippewas on the ropes when they met in the regular season. Granted, it was in Buffalo. Um, I think that that's going to be a tough early matchup for CMU. They go back and forth with the Bulls. They have a history. Buffalo obviously knocked them out last season. Um, but I think the Chippewas have the talent to get that done. That being said, you move on to the – listen, I'm going to cut the poetry here. It's going to be Central Michigan-Ohio in the MAC tournament final for, on the women's side on Saturday. It's incredibly hard to beat a team three times. Granted, the Chippewas have already beaten the Bobcats twice, but you take a look down that down that lineup, one through five, and even sometimes six when Gabby Bird's got it rolling. Chippewas got contributors everywhere, whether it be on the boards with Jahari Smith, from beyond the arc with Kira Bustle and Molly Davis and Gabby Bird and Michaela Kelly. I mean, they're loaded. I think this is their year. I think they claim the. Mid American Conference Championship at the tournament next week in Cleveland. All right. Well, that that kind of knocks out both the CMU and the overall prediction. Absolutely. And, you know, I 
I don't know. Buffalo always seems to play really tough in the postseason, like you were saying. And I, I think, I think the Bulls are going to somehow work, work their way into in in make a deep run in the conference tournament. I'm with you. I think CMU wins it, but I think they face Buffalo. Uh, if if the matchups work out right, um, you know, obviously we won't know the matchups um, until until we. Uh, well, I guess next weekend uh, once once the uh, once the regular season wraps up, but you know, if Buffalo has a chance at CMU, I think I think the Bulls are are going to really really put CMU on the ropes. But like you said, man, the contributors the Chippewas have, I really do see CMU taking that MAC championship and getting back to the NCAA tournament for the third straight year. Yep, I agree with that. Now on the men's side, the men. As we talked about, CMU men have have struggled. Obviously, every, you know you can throw away the records, I guess, in in the in the conference tournament. But can you really? Maybe in this conference, you might be able to. But Christian, let's start with let's start with the CMU prediction. How do you think the men the CMU men are going to do? You know, I uh, I envision a scenario where they go on the road and they lose. I can also see them playing at home if the ball bounces the right way. Uh, obviously, you're going to need help from even from your boys down in Kalamazoo. Eastern plays at Western on Tuesday night, and if the Broncos can knock off the Eagles, then the Chippewas could leapfrog them in the standings. And so then that would be a good bounce, and all the Chippewas would have to do is win out, and they would get a, a home game. They'd, they'd get that eight seed. However, I just don't think it happens. I don't think it happens. I think that they go on the road uh, on a Monday night and their season comes to an unceremonious end. They're just, I, I mean, I can see them getting unbelievably hot from three like they've done in the past. Like a guy like Dallas Morgan goes for 30 and David DeLeo goes for 21 and 10 boards and they get to Cleveland and they can make some noise there just because it seems like they love getting up for the big game. They bring in Bowling Green. They beat them by double digits. But then again, everybody wants to play the best team in the in the conference at home. Nobody wants to go on the road to a team like Eastern Michigan or Ohio or Miami of Ohio. What's going to get you up for that game? With that being said, it's March. Anything can happen. I just don't think it's the Chippewas year this year. I think they lose in round one on the road. And, you know, maybe a CBI, CIT. But then again, I mean, the conference record, I just don't think it's good enough to get any sort of postseason recognition. They're going to finish under 500. And, yeah, that's that's the story on them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on ceremony, I, I actually don't, I don't mind that. But kind of, kind of thinking about it, man. Like, it's it's the last chance for four seniors, or several seniors on that team to to get into that postseason kind of feel. And you're right; they do get up for the big game. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna go for it. I even if even if CMU doesn't get a, a home game, which I don't think it will. I I 
I, I think the Chippewas lose against Ball State. You know, Ball State has some talent, and that game being played on the road yeah, it's with, tough. with such high stakes, such high implications, I, 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 think, I think CMU drops that, that game at Ball State, and I, I, I do think CMU beats Western at home uh, on Friday, though, cap off the regular season with, with a win, stop the skid. And then once you get in, into tournament play, obviously you're gonna have to go on the road. Right, right now they'd be playing at, at Kent State uh, as as the standings as the standings shake out. Um, I, obviously that that can change and it probably will change several times. Oh, before, knowing the Mac, absolutely. Before we get to before I guess we get to, to Sunday afternoon, once we figure it all out um, and the dust finally settles. So. Um, you know what? Screw it. I, I'm going to take the Chippewas in that first round game. Get the men down to Cleveland. It, and I, will they make some noise down there? They might. I don't think. I don't think they will. I think they get to Cleveland and they just play in the quarterfinal and 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 that's that. I I, I think all the teams ahead of them in the standings are just way too talented, especially those teams in the top four uh, with with. Bowling Green and Akron, NIU and Buffalo. Again, that probably will change as the week week goes along. But yeah, hey, there's one scenario I can envision where it could get interesting. Lay it on me. So, and you see it quite a bit. You see it quite a bit this time of year. Or maybe they get a break in that first round game. Maybe they go on the road. They win it by three or four points. They come together, they think maybe, okay, this is a lease on life a little bit. This is a second chance. You know, the wise poet Macklemore, you know, in one of his, in one of his good tunes that I listen to. Lease on life is a new attitude. You know what I'm saying? And so then maybe they come to Cleveland and they get a team like Northern Illinois. Split the season, they were a point away from sweeping the season series with them. You take Eugene German out of a game defensively, you can beat a team like Northern Illinois. You really think that's possible to take a guy like that out defensively? In March, no. But here's the thing. You get a group of guys banding together, bonding together, coming together, saying, all right, we're going to do this defensively. Where has that been for the last month? Exactly. And that's part of the reason why they're in this skid, because they just don't look bought in at this moment. They, I'm not saying that they weren't at the beginning of this losing streak. I just think that... This losing streak has become as mental for them as it is physical. Not only are they going out there and getting beat by guys off the dribble or, you know, from three, but they're also getting beat mentally. Because no matter what they did for that first 30 minutes of that Eastern Michigan game, in crunch time they fell apart. Against NIU, up four, minute and a half to play, they fell apart. It's just one of those things where if they can get a bounce, if they can get a break... Not saying it's going to happen, but if they can get a break in that first round game, you win a close game at the end, you know, or you just go out and dominate a team and you realize, okay, this is what we're capable of. We've got new life. We're in Cleveland just like everybody else. There's eight teams in Cleveland that are playing for the NCAA tournament. One's going to get it. We're among those eight people. Let's go get it. I mean, that's just, that's the scenario I see. If the Chippewas are going to make any noise, they're going to have to get a break in that first round game because I, I just don't see them getting in that game at home. It's going to be on the road. It's going to be a dogfight. 
gosh, I mean, if, if, if they get a bounce, they can be dangerous. That's all I'm trying to say here. I got you, man. I got you. And r- real quick, an, uh, one of the teams uh, here on CMU's campus that's actually gotten off to a pretty good start, kind of expectedly, but almost almost unexpectedly. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but uh, the CMU baseball the baseball team. Just real quick, six and five. They have lost the last three games, but started out really hot. Um, you know, took three out of four away from UNLV and. Took two out of three with one of those games being canceled against Jacksonville State, and then had, went on went on the road last weekend to Tucson, Arizona, and struggled a little bit. A couple of couple of games where, I mean, they they won the opener against Arizona, dropped a game nine to two against Rhode Island, five one against Arizona on, on, in a Friday doubleheader, and then went and lost three to two on Saturday against against Rhode Island. You know. Teams started out not horribly. I mean, started out you know six and five. It's about it's about where you'd expect them to be, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Especially being an NCAA tournament team last season, um, they've gotten some con- contributions from guys like Jordan Patty, who's in three games. He's been phenomenal. Um, ERA under one. He's two and zero. Oh. He's got a WHIP under one. That's phenomenal. 16 strikeouts and 19 and two-thirds. That's, I mean, my goodness, those are pretty good numbers, especially at the start of the year. Um, another guy, one Mac West, well, Cole, actually, Cole Mac West player of the week a week ago, Chase Rollin, a Beale City guy. Uh, my Everett listeners back home know who Chase Rollin is. He terrorized us in high school for four years. This is a good baseball player, I mean, and it's a good team. You look down this lineup, bringing a lot of guys back from last year. Griffin Lockwood, Powell, Xavier Warren, Zach Gilly, Zach Hickey. Um, but also some new guys. You're looking at the Lechner brothers, Zach and Drew. They're both above 200. Zach hit a home run in one of the first games of the year. I mean, these are guys that are going to probably contribute quite a bit this year. Um, the pitching, outside of guys like Jordan Patty. Especially from the starters, it's been a little shaky. Uh, JT Rogozeski from North Carolina, he's a transfer. Kind of struggled out of the gate. He's 0-1. Jared Mell, another transfer. He's struggling. Cam Brown is struggling on the mound. Those are the kind of things they're going to have to put together if they're going to want to be competitive. But granted, I mean, long season. It's still early. It's too early to take any to make any super hot takes or say that so-and-so's not going to be any good or anything like that. It's still really early. Um, some certainly a lot of good things that have been seen. A little bit of a three-game struggle there towards the end of that trip to Arizona. They t- they won their first game against the Arizona Wildcats and then dropped three in a row over that the course of that weekend. So right, it'll be exciting to see where this team goes in year two with Jordan Bischel. Uh, obviously, a really good coach emphasizes having a blast while playing the game, and I think that's the great thing about baseball is that you can have a blast. There's a lot of downtime. Rooting on your guys, that it, I mean, it truly is a blast in the dugout, and it looks like it's going to be with these guys too. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know that's kind of kind of what they did last year. They kind of struggled out of the gate last year. From not you know kind of reaching back in the memory file, I struggled out of the gate, and then had a absolute marathon, twenty six to nineteen loss against Davenport at home, and, and and I think that one went extra innings if I'm not mistaken, and that game was kind of the turnaround. Like all right. 
let's go on a 19-game winning streak. And they ended up streaking all the way from a, a series against Western Michigan all the way to the MAC championship and obviously the NCAA tournament where they won that opener against against Miami of Florida. So, I mean, you could easily see that again from, from this year's team. And But anyway, the Chippewas open up uh, the, the conference slate on March 17th against against Bowling Green on the road, go to Northern Illinois, and then their home opener uh, the, a week later on March 24th at 3.30 against at Davenport over in Tennyson Stadium. That'll be kind of the... Welcome back, baseball, to CMU. For I mean, for real, because I mean, you know, it's it's a little bit harder to follow the team when when it's on the road um, out west and and down south so much. Um, but I, you know, I, I think this team could uh, could be special once again. Um, for sure. You know, like you said, once they can get some of the the pitching woes and not really woes, but some of the pitching issues Just, figured out. They're still figuring out the rotation. They're still yeah. figuring out who's going to be that guy out of the bullpen or those guys, you could say. It's just one of those things where it's early. They'll get it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I, I think that's it. Christian, do you, do you have anything else? or Nah, man, this is fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. For Appreciate sure, it. absolutely. Yeah, let's do it again. For sure. For well, sure. Guys, if you're if you're listening, uh, it's obviously before spring break, so have a fantastic and safe spring break. Make sure you can make your way back up to Mount Pleasant for to round out the semester. But when we get down to Cleveland, make please make sure you follow us at CM Life Sports on Twitter, CM Life on Twitter. Follow our Facebook page, Central Michigan Life. You can follow Christian and myself on Twitter. We're pretty easy to find if you can find C- at CM Life Sports. And as always, check us out on cm-life.com. We'll make sure we keep you guys well updated while we're in Cleveland. Also, check out, watch out for a little bit of video content next week, too. Oh, yeah. That's something we're, we're pretty excited about up here. So A lot of good stuff coming. It, oh, yeah. We're making moves, making moves as we get down, get down to Cleveland. Well, guys, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to us. And like I said, have a, have a really safe spring break. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And... We'll talk to you again when we meet again.